Hey, Journeyers. Before we get into this week's podcast episode, I want to let you know about an absolutely groundbreaking online event featuring today's show guest, Reality Shifter's own Cynthia Sue Larson. As part of our all-new Cracking the Ascension Code online learning series, Cynthia and I recently teamed up to put together a mini masterclass on how to identify if the ascension is happening to you, and if so, what to do with it. Are we on an ascension timeline right now? Does the absolute madness of a twilight zone type of world, coupled with your own accelerated but strange experiences like increased synchronicity, repeating numbers, and even bizarre physical symptoms, trying to tell you something? In this online workshop, Cynthia will help you make sense of it all with what she calls ascension markers. But more than just sharing what she's learned in her over 25 years of hard research into consciousness and reality shifts, she will be sharing some little known secrets as to how you can proactively integrate these experiences into your own ascension process. So you can get and stay on this extraordinary timeline while others may just be stumbling through an otherwise crazy world with eyes wide shut. If you want to see and feel what's really happening around you and what it all means for you, then click on the link below this episode. And as a little bonus for tuning into the audio version of this podcast, go ahead and take 15% off the original price so you can get immediate access to this great online event with Cynthia Sue Larson. And speaking of Cynthia, here she is, today's special guest. Now on with the show. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Higher Journeys. I'm your host, Alexis Brooks. So glad that you are joining us today. Well, today we're going to dive right into something that has loosely been referred to as the Ascension Timeline. Are we in it right now? Are there multiple timelines that we're currently traversing? And if so, what are the markers? How would we know? Well, tell you what, I have someone that's going to let us know exactly what's going on. Her name is Cynthia Sue Larson. I know you know that name. She is joining us once again to share some of the stunning examples, stunning, that illustrate that we are indeed living in a very interesting time when it comes to understanding ascension, including in your face reality shifts, Mandela effects, yes, and other strange phenomena, and how this is directly related to this evolutionary period that we're currently in. So let's get right to it. Cynthia, welcome back, my friend, to Higher Journeys. How are you? Uh, Great, Alexis. (laughs) So good to see you today. Oh, it's lovely to see you too. And at such such a critical time, I've been saying that a lot. Critical recently, because it's true. And I think journeyers, you know that too. We are going to talk about uh, what is loosely, and I do say loosely referred to as ascension. I just had this chat with Penny Pierce about a week or so ago, and we've kind of labored over this, this inference that ascension means a hierarchical moving upward, when we know that's likely not what we're talking about. We're maybe even talking about an expansion, an expansion of self, an evolution of self. Give me your, let's start with that. Give me your thoughts on what ascension I mean, means to you? Uh, in the I love, I love, well, first of all, I love the idea of expansion because it see, does seem like that's what's happening, which can be an opening, which can be mind blowing to one extreme and then to the other. It's just uplifting. It's, it's realizing that no matter what seems to be happening, everything is actually okay. That includes big changes. So this expansion is uh, just the awareness that you 
are like playing much more of the keyboard of your life than just one or two notes. Usually when we're trained in our schools and our professions, we're very focused, we're very narrow. So there's can be a tendency to become fixated just in the habitual, just a routine. This last year, most of us around the world have been shaken out of that routine in a big way. So even if we didn't intend to start a spiritual awakening, we have become part of this awakening that's happening collectively. Getting into ascension, what is that? Oh my gosh, this is huge because it's this awareness that we are already, each of us, enlightened on the inside. This means that we can start trust, learning to trust by first observing how do we receive intuitive information? How do we communicate with the cosmos through things like synchronicity, numbers on the clocks, um, all kinds of things like that. In addition to uh, some things that are not so pleasant, such as exhaustion, fatigue, sometimes ringing in the ears, lots of other affiliated kinds of things happen. You see me smiling. Journey is you see me smiling, right? She just said some really, she pressed some hot buttons right there. Numbers on the clock, ringing in the ears. We're going to get to all of this. And by the way, I'm going to plug this right out of the gate. Cynthia is going to be joining us for our first ever Cracking the Ascension Code series where she's going to be talking about that, not just talking about it, but working with it. So we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But let's get right to this time thing. And you mentioned another keyword, fatigue. I know that you did a show just a few days ago where you talked about something that has been referred to as time fatigue. What is that? What's time fatigue, Cynthia? Well, I'm t working with lots of light workers and healers and people who have been meditating. They've been evolving spiritually. They're on that path. Yet lately, they are feeling tremendously fatigued at levels that they've never experienced before. And this, to me, is part and parcel of what's happening collectively for all of us at this um, this time of great awakening, which essentially means that there are more possible what you might call timelines available to us at any given point. And it can be a little overwhelming at times for people who are sensitive to such things, who are sensing that they're feeling not just one reality, not just two, but sometimes multiples, sometimes what you might call a hairball of timelines, that there are so many possible scenario scenarios playing out, it's hard to even know what's true. Even when we go to our trusted news sources, it can be confusing these days. I've noticed that I'm so, once again, a synchronicity has emerged and you're bringing that up. I've heard others bringing it up lately. We're, you know, we're trying to really, Cynthia, parse what is going on right now, not just what we're thinking, but what we're feeling into. And this notion of time, what I'm calling time warps even, uh, and particularly people that are empathic. And I know a lot of y'all, a lot of the journeyers out there are indeed sensitives, either have been or are becoming more so. Feeling this sense of being, and this is how I felt whipped between or traversing one timeline, jumping to another and yet another, sometimes multiple timelines in one day. And for those of us who consider ourselves empathic, that can be really, really stressful. How would you, how would you address that? What would you say to those who are sensitive? How do we deal with that? Because we can't be bounced around. I feel like we're, we're literally being bounced around like a ball. Absolutely. Yeah. And that tends to happen when we lock onto a given particular reality. So if we um, 
In other words, when we start feeling like this particular reality is the real one, and we lock onto that rather than the awareness that each of us is consciousness primarily. And this is the real key. It's learning to ground at a higher state of being, to ground at an ascendant state of awareness, to recognize that we have sovereignty, uh, free will within ourselves and our souls, if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call this eternal, infinite quality that each of us has that literally brings forth light that can be measured from our bodies. So this is not woo-woo. This sounds kind of crazy, but it's real and it's <laughs> science-based. <laughs> but um, then where it goes next is recognizing if that's true. And we're witnessing all of these possibilities as if we're walking through a dream. It's Then we can start waking up within the dream. This is the key, is recognizing that reality has a dream-like quality. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes what we think about becomes... Um, real in our external reality. So this is why it matters. The quality of the questions that we ask then um, can give us results. But the key bit, back to what you were saying, with all these choices, rather than trying to grab onto them is let go and trust. So it's really about having faith in what you might call a higher power. We're on a higher journey. We're toward going toward ascension. We are enlightened and recognizing, okay, if that's true, that I don't need to fixate on exactly what I think I need. I'm going to trust that what's unfolding, even though it goes flip-flopping around, and it really does for some of us, um, that no matter, even though that's happening, that's okay. Because I'm grounding to something that seems not real. And I'm an earth sign, so I, I know how difficult this can be. What is and your sign? It's Capricorn. And I've got... I've also got uh, my Venus and my Mars are also in Capricorn. So it's Mm -hmm. a triple whammy, which to those people who have it, it feels like a ball and chain. It's super, super grounded. So I am giving advice that's not easy for me. It sort of runs counter to who I am to let it go and just kind of go with the flow and recognize that even when things seem like they're coming undone, like you'll see a reality and then you look again, it's not what you thought it was. It may Mm -hmm. not be what you thought was good learning to trust that in this flip-flopping and flying around, it's going to be okay. That you don't need to grab onto any particular reality. Um, no? No. Okay, because my next question was, I think there there's preferred realities versus those that seem that we don't w- want to participate in. And so there may be this sense on the part of some to want to lock in something that's more preferable for a longer period of time. But you're saying that's not the thing to do? Uh, yeah, this is where it's interesting on the ascension path, because the, to me, ascension is really about recognizing there are levels of awareness within ourselves. We know this. We, we know that some people say, I, can, I can't trust my heart because it leads me wrong. You know, they, I've heard people say that. To me, I think the heart is trustworthy. Um, but then we've got our head. I'm sort of skipping around through chakras really roughly, kind of in a rough fashion. But when you recognize, what if you've got higher levels of awareness above the seventh? chakra above the crown, going up to eighth, going up to ninth, going up to tenth, and so forth. <clears throat> what if you can trust that those levels, what you think might seem like a mess, like how can I deal with the situation? And how can I say this is good when it doesn't look good? I would start learning to listen to higher levels of yourself. So even if things may seem different than what you thought you would be expecting, um, <clears throat> you can start becoming in a flow with that, that you can recognize that these uh, higher levels of yourself are the ones that can bring you the synchronicities, that can give you signs that you are on the right track, even though it feels like this is all messed up. 
like going through a, a breakup or a relationship falling apart, losing a job. These can seem very hard for people who are, they felt like that was my security. I don't know what comes next. Or if your home is going to change, all these things can be very um, stressful, but they can also bring you to a place where you can learn to trust and learn to let go. It's like learning to fly and you're leaving the nest and you've had wings all along, but you never knew it. I love that. I love that analogy. You've had wings all along, but we just haven't tested them. Uh, hmm. Oh, brain fog is another thing. Just that quick, I lost what I was going to Seriously. Okay, well, let's go there. Let's just go where we need to go. Brain fog. It seems to be yet another. What you've referred to as ascension markers, we're going to get more into that. Is that indicative of this sort of new framework that we're adapting to? It can be another sign that you're um, going through this ascension process, which um, is and so the biggest myth that I think comes up about ascension is people think, well, it means that you're dying, but you're not really dying. It's more like a level of yourself is dying. So the ego self that you thought you were, where you're defining yourself by your job, by your relationship, by your home, whatever you've defined yourself as, you start recognizing, I am bigger than this. I am much more and it's an awareness it's not just a thought it's it's um mind body and spirit it's like i am acting as if i am more than this because i am i have to be i have to live at this higher level and it's it's an extraordinary feeling so the brain fog is a is a is a marker it's one of many things that might happen to indicate that you're not who you used to be and mm -hmm. it's just to really shake us up all these things can really be wake up shake up kind of um indicators. Well, we're certainly being shooken up, shaken up lately, are we not? I know it came back to me. That's the other thing. It'll come back just as quickly as it vanished. Um, I heard it said recently that this is a time where we're going to have to put more faith than ever in the unseen realms. Yes. More faith, not hope, and not blind faith, but trust, I think maybe is a better word. And I've really been pondering that. Have you, journeyers, have you been thinking about that? Because so many things, I mean, look, let's face it, the, the, the unknown is always before us. But now it seems like we are literally, you know, somebody just threw us out of a plane. We got to get our wings. We better get our wings ready and, and learn to uh, and learn to fly. But we just have to trust. Absolutely. Trust I, in know, the unseen. And this goes with the brain fog. Uh, I had some experience with this in the last year and a half when I had COVID, I had long haul COVID, I'm not going to go into it, but part of it was mm. brain fog. What's amazing is I didn't stop working. Um, that was, well, some parts of it stopped, like I didn't write more in my book, I wasn't able to do as much. Okay, so that's true. I'm not going to misrepresent what happened. So my, uh, my ability to get the work done was reduced. However, what's amazing is I was still able to do all the work that I had done before, because it does totally rely on working with my high self. And so I think that's a great um, metaphor. It's not just a metaphor. It happened to me. And a lot of people might be going through some sort of uh, autoimmune disorder or what have you. I think a lot of the ailments that people are experiencing are also possible markers that we need to rely on our high self, that we need to start tuning into that and recognizing that's always there. And like you said, even if you have the brain fog, when you know you're being guided by your high self, you're going to get what you need when you need it. That's mm -hmm. how I got through that year and a half. 
to it's, going to get through without yeah, knowing yeah. how. What, right. Well, this is really, I think, again, about where what emphasis we're placing on the left brain versus what we call the right brain, the right. logical, linear part of how we've been living all of this time and slowly transitioning. Or I always say, let the right brain take its proper place of prominence. Left brain, get your foot off the gas pedal, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> because I just don't think it's going to work that way anymore, Cindy, right? I totally agree. To me, it, the, that left brain needs to be the faithful servant. It, um, like you said, the proper place for the right brain for that intuition is in charge, despite the, the bad rap some people give it. Some people say, um, you know, you need to think logically, rationally. Yes, that's the servant. That's not, that should never be in charge. That It creates a disaster, in my opinion, and from what I've seen, when in my personal life, every time I've tried to do things based only on the analytical, the rational, the what makes sense, this mm-hmm. should be right. This is what people are doing. That is not necessarily so good. That should come in second. Once you first find what's your soul singing with, you know, what lifts your spirit completely, what gives you that rush of energy that makes you feel like you're coming alive, what makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning, then you're living correctly. Mm-hmm. You do it the other way around, it's a mess. Absolutely. Agreed. High sense perception activation. That is a term that you use, by the way, in the, we did a little teaser for the workshop. I'm going to tease it again. Go on over. I'll leave a link so you can sign up if you like, but you can also watch a teaser where Cynthia is going to uh, talks about what will be offered in the workshop. But you mentioned in that teaser, something called high sense perception activation. What is that, Cynthia? Well, high sense perception is what um, people can think of as it sounds fancy, but it just means that you're going beyond your physical senses of of sight, of sound, of taste, of touch, you know, all of these of smell, you know, the things that we tend to normally associate with daily living. High sense perception is the ability to start tuning into uh, sights, things that, that are beyond um, this regular visual range. So you can start seeing flashes of light. You can see the equivalent of orbs, even if you don't have the little camera going to take pictures of them, you can feel the presence of these flashes of these lights and uh, you can hear things. You can get clear audience. So there's clairvoyance, clear audience, um, clear sentience, even, which is just a, a knowingness that each of us is capable of expanding and developing and deepening. And these, these clairs, these um, higher sense perception abilities really open up our channels to getting that information directly from these higher levels of ourselves that have a bigger vantage point, that can see the big picture, that aren't confused by what can confuse us when we're running around on the equivalent of flatland where we feel like I'm stuck, I'm in a maze, I can't get out of this, I don't know how to even move forward. From a higher vantage point with an extra dimension of awareness, it's easy for those levels of yourself to know what's going on. And what you might think is bad uh, might not be so bad necessarily. Um, so sometimes what we think is happening at the lower levels of ourselves is fear-based. It gets caught up in drama, having to do with anger and fear, mm-hmm, grief. These these emotions can weigh us down, get us feeling stuck. That's not going to happen at the higher levels of self. And when we open up our high sense perception to those higher levels and are guided by that, then we it's like a, it just like lifts us out of that muck, like that scene that if you saw Star Wars where um, <laughs> Luke had gotten his little fly, spaceship stuck in the in swamp, you know, basically. And Yoda 
was showing him like no trouble at all to lift it up and out through your mind. And that's a metaphor again. We can all do this. We've got our wings and sometimes we try them when we think I failed. But this is not necessarily a failure. It's a learning experience. Absolutely. By the way, journeyers, I'm going to, I may not have to apologize. Just before we went on the air, we had, I live fairly close to an Air Force base and we had some fighter pilots uh, zoom by and I'm kind of hearing them in the distance. So let's, I'm not going to conjure it up, but just in case we're going to keep rolling right through it, but it'll make it exciting. (laughs) Speaking of Luke and Star Wars, you had to bring that up, right? Because you know, we're going to be talking about Mandela effects. So stay tuned. Don't you go anywhere because we are talking about Mandela effects. Not now. We'll get to that. And also how that folds into just markers of this new period that we're in. Um, is far, Well, I want to ask a question to the journeyers right now. I know some of you are in the chat. Hopefully a lot of you are in the chat. Cynthia mentioned some of the things that we may be experiencing now more than ever, like seeing flashes of light. Me, me, are you? Orb-like um, shapes, not just, you know, not just in the sky. We know that a lot of so-called UFOs and UAPs are viewed as uh, orb-like structures. But in our homes, I've seen them recently. Have you? So I'm going to ask the question, journeyers. Leave a comment uh, below if you have. What are you seeing, sensing, that's a little bit different now than before? Uh Go ahead, Cynthia. I can tell you got, you have something to say. <laughs> yeah, people people are definitely seeing this. I was on a Skype session the other day talking with a person who just said, I need evidence, I need proof. I was talking about the angelic support that this client had. And suddenly there was this blinding light. She was squinting, I was squinting, and then the connection was lost. <laughs> but before it was lost, and she was recording it, she said, that was incredible. That was the kind of proof that I need. I could see it in the Skype. And so some, that is a camera, of course, so it's not necessarily one's own eyes, but our devices can pick this up. So definitely keep yourself open to that because some people really, really want to see these things and they say, I can't yet. That's just yet. So hang in there. And I think some some of us have this, um, it's an easier thing for some people for whatever reason to see the orbs, to see the flashes of light. I do see those flashes of light. I saw them when I was first going through my Kundalini awakening. And lately, this this last year and a half, it's been uh, very prolific. Um, Also in the garden. So those of you who love to, I know you do, Alexis, love the garden. And sometimes you can see that there's that activity in the garden, like, like as if we're inviting these elves and fairies in. And you can feel that they're there helping. And what a difference they can make in the garden. I know they do for my garden. So it's not, it's not as necessary to do as much work, but things happen almost by themselves. And we can invite this kind of. I was just going to ask, can we call them out? Can, and not out of a sense of curiosity, but a sense of connectedness. Can we say, I want to see you. I need to see you. However you show up. What, what do you have to say about that? Uh, Definitely. And you can ask for help too. Uh, Obviously I, I know from my experience, the elves, the fairies, they seem very um, gung-ho and motivated to help when I'm seriously working for the betterment of a garden, for the improving basically a microclimate within the, the environment. Gardening is, is something that humans are meant to do. We are, we're not meant to just sit back and let nature run its course. We're supposed to be involved in caretakers of wonder and caretakers of growth and harmony with all the different plants that we can you know, bring into 
sort of a collaborative field. So when I work with angels and fairies, what I do is I do invite them. I say, and, and, and I'll be thinking sometimes a question in the garden, like, gosh, I don't have my gloves or my tools. I need to pull out this blackberry startup because I don't want it right here next to this apple tree. It's going to be a problem. It's going to wrap around <laughs> the trunk and like, uh oh. And I'll just instantly, I've got an instant image of what to do for that issue, for example, because I'm, I'm asking it. I know I've got fairies in my garden. They, they instantly were showing me just get, they said any small twig will do. And I said a twig like this and I found one and it was about a little less thick than my smallest finger. So I then, um, wrapped the blackberry uh, vine around it one, two, three, four, five times. And then they said, just pull on the edges. And with the soil the way it is now, you'll get the roots. And sure enough, it worked. I've never heard of such a thing. But this is the sort of thing, that, and that was one of many times that the fairies and angels have given me direct guidance on how not to move um, like tons and tons of dirt because they, they showed me that there was an easier way to do what I was doing uh, just remarkable things. I don't want to go into all that, but it's unless people are gardeners that they. <laughs> but it's just one example. I think this is stunning because it's one. I, it's not even subtle. I think it's quite profound example of again. I'm referring to the now moment. Last year and a half, last two years, whatever. That these things have become more pronounced and more essential for us to uh, interact with. All of this leading to. Do we want to be on the Ascension timeline? Are these the things that we need to be proactively doing to expedite getting on that timeline? I say yes. Absolutely. Well, the high sense perception is, again, that's going to be that bridge to the higher level of consciousness that each of us does possess. But we have not been trained by our schools, by our families in most cases, unless you go to a Waldorf school and had mm -hmm. a parent someone like you or me, but most of us didn't. And so if you didn't have that advantage, then you, you regain that benefit that you might never have had uh, from your upbringing, certainly not from the companies that we worked for. I was using these skills in the companies that I worked for at Citibank, but I couldn't, I didn't feel safe talking to most people about it. Right. Maybe one or two, but, <laughs> but if I said, well, this project looks brighter, so I'm choosing it because that's the one that's gonna continue. Um, I was able at Citibank to be a project manager that looked ridiculously effective. I was always being fast-tracked for promotion because I could tell which projects were kind of not going anywhere. I would put them on my status report, but I wouldn't put any energy or time really into those because it's a lost cause. But the ones that were moving forward, I would focus on those, and it looked like I did the work of 10 people hmm. with that, without any extra effort. So high sense yeah. perception. Matters. You've been using this all along, and it's a great time to to plug one of yes. quite a few books, Reality Shifts. Cindy, I can't believe you wrote this in 1999. We're talking two yes. decades ago. So I, let me tell you a couple of things. I have to tell you this. Speaking of things changing for us and our high sense perception. So today, you know, I love something called Stickomancy, which is essentially yes. book dowsing. And I said, let me pull out Cindy's book, pull it open where I need to, and see what the message is. But before I did that, I heard page 122, just like that. I mean, it came really quick. And rather than look for it, I just opened the book and guess where it was? 122. Oh, wow. That's right? Goosebumps. Right, guys? Goosebumps. Wow. It's God is my witness. I'm using this hand. It's God is my witness. Yes, it's true. It ha Let me tell you what happened. This is worth kind of 
delving into a bit. Stickamancy again is this idea of taking a book. You want to get a it's it's a dowsing or it's a form of divination yes. where you maybe run your fingers back and forth, and when you have a feeling where to open it, you open it. You stab your finger on a certain part of the page, and you read the message. Okay, so I was aiming to do that, but I heard one twenty two, and it was quick. Does this happen to you guys? This happened to me just a few hours ago. One twenty two. And I can even remember it was the page where you're talking about how you had a desire to have really curly hair and your yes. hair all of a sudden started curling or something. And I realized the message for me was not what was in the book, but the fact that I heard, I got a download, page 122. And then when I opened the book without even trying, there it was 122. That's beautiful. What happened there, girlfriend? Oh, I love it. And I was, gonna, I, I was wondering, is that the page where I talk about Stickamancy in that book? Because I do. <laughs> but it's not. No, that would be super weird, wouldn't it? That would be like, Ooh. 122. Okay, guys, here comes the plane. I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to let it be. I don't think that was a fighter jet. Okay. <laughs> I think we're in the clear. So, so this to me is indicative of the very thing that you're talking about, Cynthia, and that is, the high sense perception activation, whether we're consciously igniting it or not, is happening to a lot of us. I'll, I'll give you another example of what I would call, I would call an intuitive hit or a, a, a knowing in advance. Just the other day, my husband and I were at dinner and we're talking, he was talking about somebody that he knows whose brother has, I'm just going to say a son. I'll tell you after what happened. He went on to say he has a son and I heard in my head, He's going to say who's autistic. Again, very quick, within a nanosecond, couldn't even measure it. I knew exactly what he was going to say, and that's exactly what he said. This has been happening to me lately. Very quick. It'll be just before it, whatever it happens, it is. That's been happening for me lately. And this is that clairsentience I was mentioning where you just get that straight knowingness that comes through. And we're all able to access that. And even those of us who have been able to do this for many years, uh, we're getting an opportunity now to really feel a huge upgrading of our abilities. And I think that might be another way that we can read signs of what's going on, like these airplanes that we're hearing today. This is to me, and we're talking about wings, we're talking about flight, we're talking about basically our ascension superpowers or whatever, that we're getting these abilities to enhance our existing skills at extrasensory perception to raise them to higher and higher levels. And this is uh, that, that airplane symbol is very powerful too. I feel like almost like the cosmos is saying, you guys wake up, you're going to be at the highest level of the ability to fly around, to, to do astral travel, to have these high sense perceptions and I think when we're gathered together, like we will be for this uh, series of workshops that you've created, Alexis, first one on November 20th, and talking about Ascension, this is the community where we can start finding who are the other people that are really tapped into that, that are mm-hmm. looking actively to see how are we going to be moving up through these levels. This is where to meet this community. Mm-hmm. So it's not just an opportunity for the workshop and the material itself, which will be amazing, but it's also the community aspect. And I know you've got a great community. Yeah. It's going to be 
As do you. We've got quite a few signups already. Journeyers, come on board. It's going to be great. And I'm glad that you're mentioning community because, you know, you hear workshop and you're like, okay, here we go again with another instructor who's going to be telling us how to do this and that. That, That'll be part of it. But I think the most important part, it's a live event. We're going to have, uh, and I'm I'm calling it a Q&A, but I think it's more of a conversation with you, a conversation amongst us all. I am so anxious to meet some of you to find out what experiences you are having now. We want to compare notes. I think I think that's important because look, this is a, what's going on right now, whatever it is, can be a lonely journey, particularly with this backdrop of what we've been dealing with for 19, 20-ish months. Because our problems can seem so uh, personal. Absolutely. And And sometimes to the point we can't talk about it with people. That's right. But you can hear. That's what it's for, guys. It's a big part of what it's for. We're going to be learning from each other. So I I wanted to say that. I know what we're going to be. I know Cindy's going to be talking about this. We might as well touch on it and tease it right now, having to do with the symptoms of repeating numbers. Let's stop right there. We're going to talk about repeating numbers. We're going to talk about physical symptoms. We're going to talk about Mandela effects, but let's take it one at a time. Let's start with repeating numbers. Give us your best estimation of what is happening now with this absolute, I'm calling it repeating number syndrome, RNS. That's what I'm going to start calling it because it's unrelenting, Cynthia. Day by day, it's getting more intense. What is happening? people well what it feels like um for me and the information i'm getting from you know the akashic record read if you want to call it that is it's a it's like tuning an orchestra or tuning ourselves up as instruments remember what we're really doing is learning to clearly communicate with higher levels of ourselves so as we do this um if any of you are aware of the chakras you've got first chakra second third fourth and so forth if you're looking at a clock for example you'll notice 111 and the 1111 222, 333, 444, 555. We don't get to 666. So we get partial. And then we, but then we see numbers everywhere, don't we? I mean, we'll see them all sorts of places. And when, when you get those repeating numbers, it's just an activation and a clearing of an energetic channel. So it gives us the opportunity to tune into that frequency, that level of awareness. So if you're looking at 111, for example, or 1111, to me, these are the uh, creation activation levels when you bring in those ones and you're bringing in this one dimensional power of the photon, which can either be smeared over all sort of probability waves and possibilities, or it can be manifest in one particular material, physical little particle. When, when you see the difference there, then you start to get an idea. We're just looking at one right now. Then you feel like, oh, one, 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 or one, 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 or however many ones there are. That's a reminder that you are the creator, that you are choosing. And it's kind of like you don't even know you're choosing half the time. The subconscious might be calling the shots and you'll grab onto a reality and now you're there. So in quantum physics, what we call this is the observer effect, where the observer can, based on how the measurement is taken, basically dictates what's seen. We see this in things like law of attraction or manifestation and so forth. Whatever method you've been using, you'll witness this in terms of what you're thinking about is what you experience. And it can be mind-blowing. So that's just looking at the 111, the 1111. It's that um, wake-up call to 
look at the possibilities and recognize how are you affecting that observation. So each number has another uh, call signature. So it's asking you to participate and consider something else. And it just goes up through frequencies, kind of like notes on a scale, mm-hmm. kind of like Doe, a deer song, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Well, I've said this before. This has been going on for months now, Cynthia. 55. I will not leave any given day without seeing it four, five, six times a day on the clock invariably. I don't I'm not going to ask you what you think that means, but rather when people whatever number sequences because it's not just repeating numbers people are seeing one, two, three, four, they may be seeing just a, a specific number repeatedly rather than, yes, you know, repeating digits that are the same digits. <clears throat> but it seems to be some kind of a code for them. Are there messages implicit in these numbers or more what you said seems to be not quite the same thing? Um, I, I'm not quite sure I, how I, to I, ask the question. What do for- we do with it? Yeah, well, it, it can have significance for different reasons. Like someone might see a number that reminds them of a, f- a meaningful number, like a loved one's birth date, or maybe their birth time, or a child's birth time, or something else. So the numbers can be meaningful for that reason. Um, for me, I, I am looking at the dimensional awareness in each number. So when I see some some numbers, uh, and I like to play with multiple levels of once once you start noticing what each level of consciousness is, then you can start feeling like you can play chords instead of a single note. So ding, 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 ding. That's one, 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 one. But then you can play like one, six, and eight. That's one of my favorite chords in dimensional consciousness. And what I'm playing with there is like uh, six is a very high level. Anything above five is it's um, kind of like we're working together as one. Five is the beginning of that. 55 is not just bringing yourself to that level, but bringing others. It's kind of like I am activating and I'm, we're, I'm going to pilot this. We're going to start doing this together. Mm-hmm. We're going to rise up above um, three dimension of space and one dimension of time to, to go to that dream level of 5D. Um, it's kind of like astral travel awareness. Where you right. Can That's what I anywhere. thought of. 5D. Yeah. The fives. 5D. Well, I- yeah, Very I know big. that in numerology, 55. And the five, five, that's bringing, it's not just you, it's bringing others. So there's always uh, levels of meaning in these numbers. They can be very unique to a person. And then there's some that are meta. So, and then I like the chords. So I'm, when I see numbers that repeat a lot, then I'm looking at, oh, what's going on now? And I get to see for myself and for society, the collective, like, what are we doing right now? And there's some deep insight for me. Um, but I've been watching what the meaning is of each individual number for years. So mm-hmm. I'm reading it at that level, but it's fascinating. Each person. Yeah. Are we being acclimated to read reality through numerical code as part of this package of ascension? You think? Now say that again. It, when, when you say code, what do you mean by that? Um, Cause some people mean computer code, AI. No, simulation. well, okay. there's that level too. But I, I guess the question is, imagine a day where we no longer speak the way you and I are communicating with words and syllables, but rather speaking through, when I say numerical code and numerical language, you know, where we'll know, we know why we're seeing a given set of numbers and it has a package of messages in it. I, I don't know. Is this a language? So to reiterate, Cynthia, 
in some point, at some future time, might we be asked to use numbers as more of a language than as a digit, a language, literally speaking, through and with the numbers? Or might we start to look at numbers as conscious? Are they conscious entities in and of themselves? Those are two really big questions. There. <laughs> Those are huge. Let's play with it. We're just going to play with the juniors. Well, yeah. Conceptually, yes. Numbers can definitely have meaning to them. They can have a sense of uh, significance, and they can be much more than just the digit that it seems like it is. On a symbolic level, they can be very deep. And I think I, what I feel is that as society is moving forward, we are playing with emojis and things like that where we – uh, some people joke we're going back to hieroglyphics and drawing with pictures and talking with pictures. But it's more than that. I think we are actually accessing levels of symbolic awareness and getting um, communicating uh, at those levels. And then when you get into do the numbers themselves have consciousness, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think that's really a great place to go because um, I think they do on some level. I think everything is conscious, that they're – there is uh, every thought form, every idea that we have has its own form of sentience to it. It's all consciousness. Everything is consciousness. So from that standpoint, yes, absolutely. And then there are levels of life and sentience and consciousness within every animal, every plant, each one of us, and and even within groups of us. So you, you might be in one group and feel like there's this level of consciousness in this little group that it's a book club or whatever. Maybe it's the people you work with, your family. And each of the little groups has its own kind of consciousness to it. Absolutely. And, and we are becoming conscious of that. I think we're collectively noticing it just with politics, with the news. We're starting to see like, whoa, what's going on? So there's mm-hmm. that, the little bubbles of reality with the groups. And then we're seeing it's literally, apparently, for those of us who are paying attention, we'll see these people are getting a different reality or else they're crazy. But what I'm saying is there are different realities. Yes. There are different realities for sure. I want to go back to this idea of time because I think it's connected to our seeing uh, number sequences so often. Let's talk about clocks. I know you talked about this recently as well. And the absence of, we look, we're looking at the time, how many times a day I was in the kitchen prepping for our interview. And I happened to notice in just the kitchen, I think there are probably five different sources of what you call timepieces. You've got the one on the stove, the microwave, the the alarm system panel. All of this, all of these are in my view, in one, you know, where I'm sitting. And from one perspective, there are too many clocks around. If we were to challenge ourselves, I was thinking about this. I was thinking of actually putting masking tape on all of these areas where I normally see time, that would stop. Well, first of all, it would change my my view of reality. I would probably definitely not see the repeating numbers as much because sometimes it's haunting. Sometimes it's disturbing. But by virtue of shutting out how we look at time and the fact that we're looking at the clock so much, could that change our reality in and of itself? Oh, yeah. You can definitely um, observe things. Uh, remember back to the photon. I like that one. I'm just, I keep going back to one dimensional consciousness because it's um, at one dimension. Then you've got either the particle or the the smeared out possibility probability wave. When you're covering a clock, then you're 
keeping everything in the smeared out possibility range for that you're you have not yet chosen what you will be observing <clears throat> and by letting that go and and the more we give free range to each of these decisions you know at every level so whether you tape over your clocks great example um you can see the effect of this if you ever experiment with driving in a vehicle for example it has a clock in it then you can if, just notice if you're able to change how soon you arrive um, just by maybe don't mask over the clock, but just don't look at it while you're driving. And if you're running late, just relax, practice relaxing and meditating and then check the clock and you'll start noticing if you're practicing this very much and bringing in truly good energy um, in terms of feeling at peace and joyful and relaxed and happy and all this good stuff, then what happens is you can access a reality where you do arrive on time even though that was literally impossible. So that's one way to play with the clock. If numbers are bothering you, it's helpful to tape over them for sure. Um, but sometimes the information's helpful, so it's up to each individual as to what you prefer. If if uh, this is happening to you guys out there like it's been happening to me, it can be a bit overwhelming because it's like, okay, what is going on here? What are you trying to tell tell me? And can you stop? I've been I've been kind of playing with it lately because I've decided I'm not going to let it annoy me. I'm just going to start speaking to it, and that's one of the yeah. reasons why I asked the question: Could there right. be a consciousness in in the numbers themselves? Can are they sentient in some way? So when I speak to them, can they respond? So. Yeah, it's a very, it's just it's a fascinating phenomenon. But I think what's most fascinating to me is the uptick I've called it in people seeing it more and more, more intense every day. Yes, are we reaching some sort of crescendo, Cynthia? What is happening now? It is a tipping point for sure. It's it's we're coming to this place that has been long uh, foretold, forecast, prophesied, whatever you want to call it that we've been expecting this time. Um, that where all of these timelines would be available to us and there would be um, kind of a level of chaos, actually. And there'd be a temptation to go with the path that we think we know, but it, it can peter out. So we are being called to change. We're called to be uh, fearless, courageous, trusting our intuition, uh, relying on sovereignty of our spirit, uh, recognizing that there can be different truths for different groups and that that's, we can respect that uh, rather than look down on others just because they're doing things differently. So all of these things are happening simultaneously. And like I said, it's been prophesied. So that's reassuring to me personally. Otherwise I'd be feeling like, Oh my gosh, we're in uncharted territories, but we're not. We've actually humans have been through this before. We don't really remember much of our history. When you look at written history, we don't have that much that we can look back on, even though it does go back to the hieroglyphics in Egypt and so forth, there's still not that great an understanding of what that meant or what it was and what was going on back then. And that that's not that far. I mean, Egypt, it seems like a long time to us, but... Um, on, this timeline, really, on this timeline. On this timeline. Right, right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there's so much more to that. There, there, we, we go back much farther and it seems like just when we're finally getting a grip on how to document what we're doing and get a, get a hold of um, the tools that we've been given, it seems like it's all kind of rattling, rumbling and shaking to a scary degree. So we're concerned. Where does this go next? And 
I what what I feel like the prophecies are showing us is yes, there will be upheaval, but there will also be an awakening. There's always an awakening with the upheaval. So this is part of the the great um, transformation. That's exactly why this crisis is a birth. You know, this really is true. And so, and that, that's been something that's been foreseen, foretold, and now we're in it. So it feels different when you're in it. As far as the numbers having consciousness, yes, everything does. And, and, and recognizing it's okay to talk back to the numbers, that's brilliant uh, because then you can get that dialogue going. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. with more numbers, with other messages, coincidences, synchronicities, oh, yeah. dreams, uh, all these things can bring us a great deal of information. All of can, these things. And we can do things like automatic writing. There, there are ways to explore in lots of different ways. So, Will you everything. be talking, going into some of this in the workshop? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I know people are ready for it. We're, we, we know we're experiencing the symptoms. We kind of know what this is. So what does this show us? What can we do with it? What can we what do we, with it? Yeah, because some of us know the Mandela effect is real, that reality shifts are real, that these are things happening. And we feel like we're just starting to get our, you know, toes in the water of quantum jumping and then all of this starts happening and so a lot of people are feeling like they're not fully prepared it's like they're getting pushed out of the nest and um you know help (laughs) so let's let's use this remaining time to talk about the latest in mandela effects if there's anyone who has their finger on the pulse when it comes to what i call emmys it's you cindy they keep happening uh, I can't help but notice that this too is a part of all of this newness that we're going through, even though Mandela effects have been happening for a long, long time. Right. What's what's your latest report on the, the, the mm-hmm. weirdness as well as the lividity of what we call the Mandela effect? What's the latest well, the, you've learned? Okay. Yeah. For the latest in terms of examples, um, International Mandela Effect Conference is just releasing or soon will be releasing a special addition for patreons of um of the swine flu pandemic of 2009 and we'll have a promotional video showing lots of details there that's free and then for people that chip in some um, yet to be determined amount we haven't set that part up but we'll have it coming soon um, then you can see material that probably youtube would never let us show even though it's all factual so what's happening is we're noticing um, that there was a Sesame Street push for children to be vaccinated back in 2009. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but that's huge. So there's a lot going on. And wherever you stand on this situation, it's good to know that sometimes the past can change and it can be giving us indicators of what's going on, um, involving the president of the United States, astronauts in space, Sesame Street, um, some amazing actresses, uh, Mary Tyler Moore and so forth. Uh, I'm not going to, and then Dr. Tony that we know, I'm not going to say too many things to (laughs) create problems for this particular video. But I I think this is huge when you see like, what the heck, how did that all happen? And some of us, I don't have memory of all that. So what does that mean? So that's a big one. Um, Other ones that other channels have brought up would be money bags. Uh, And money bag 73 is a YouTube channel. He just this week mentioned that, Remember Elizabeth Montgomery? She used to wiggle her nose on Bewitched. Yeah, that's Bewitched. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, now, if you watch the, it still says she wiggles her nose, but when you watch the video, it's like she's moving her lips back and forth. Um, really weird. And I think that's a funny one because it's about magic, right? So it's about the, the way that uh, magic is happening. 
And um, some other ones that I've seen recently from some of the reports have to do with the, in New York City, there's the huge uh, Central Park. And some people don't remember the size of what looks like a reservoir of water in the Central Park. And then a statue of Alice in Wonderland, which has been there since the 1950s. And I thought those were pretty weird, but for me personally, this is an example of the Mandela effect and how personal it can be. Mm -hmm. I then picked up a book I was reading by Philip K. Dick, and it was, I I left off on page four. I'd barely gotten anywhere. I just randomly opened it to that page, and it's talking about both New York City's Central Park prominently and and discussing a squirrel and a memory that the author or the, the character had, and a favorite book being Alice in Wonderland. And that's just within a few sentences on the page I had last read. And I thought that is crazy. And it didn't even occur to me until after I'd seen a video. So this is the personal nature of the way this communication process works. And then what it does, it starts activating channels of awareness. Have more Mandela effect-like experiences or examples been emerging in the last couple of years? Uh, well, I think one, I think they have. And then and I'm seeing just when I look to see how many examples are there, the people that are tracking it went from just dozens to now hundreds. I think thousands of Mandela effects are being recognized worldwide. And these are being documented on a variety of websites. And at the same time, some people are almost becoming uh, relaxed or kind of like, well, this happens. It's just something that occurs. So there's more of an acknowledgement, although still from the collective consciousness perspective, if you go to something like Wikipedia, you'll still see that the official definition is false memories for the Mandela effect. I know. Which is not how I personally see most no. of them. And, no. and recently, we uh, for, for scientific backing, I want to just give a little plug to, we did have the physicist Tom Campbell on International mm. Mandela Effect Conference he gave his four factors of what's involved with the Mandela effect, and they were quite good. Only one of them would be along the lines. He didn't call it false memory. He just said that sometimes we, uh, the way our brains work, the way we observe patterns, we might uh, kind of confuse a name like Pamela, like his wife, with Patricia, because they both start with P-A. And he sees people do that all the time. His wife says, I'm Pamela. And then they say, hey, Patricia. And like, Really? <laughs> so, but that's just, that's a small piece of it. The other three, he said, this is ha- actually happening. He said that for sure, you know, there are some scientific reasons that you can see that this would be happening and it is happening. And, okay. You know, <laughs> which number one, of course, subjective realities. He, I don't know that he calls it that, but that's what I keep calling it. And, you know, I wrote a paper on that with a physicist, George Weissman. And then subsequently, just a couple of years ago, we've seen scientific evidence to show that, you can have two observers at the same place and same time in a quantum physics experiment with, in, with six entangled photons, and they will absolutely record different, reliable, accurate descriptions of what happened in that same place, same time. And that, according to classical physics, is impossible. And so what this shows us is that there may be no such thing as objective reality. That's and right. Another, Yeah. And so there's... Uh, right now, the people saying that would be like physicist Carlo Ravelli, physicist George Weissman, myself, and uh, then we've got Tom Campbell. So we've, it's a growing group, but it's not yet a majority. <laughs> but I, with what's going on, I think we're going to be seeing a majority. I think it's yeah. definitely moving that way. Because it's becoming more experiential. It's not just, uh, 
you know, from a scientific perspective, it's, it's an experiential. And that's what I find really exciting. Just like you said, some of the ob- observations that have been taken from a subatomic uh, perspective would be considered the micro, but there have been examples that are clearly macro that you talked about, I think, in particularly Quantum Jumps, your other fantastic book. Uh, but we're seeing more of that now. The micro is uh, morphing into a more experiential macro uh, type of reality. So yeah, that's really fascinating. I have to ask you because you you were definitely a little mum on some of the things that uh, that you didn't want to talk about in this venue. So I'm going to ask you, are you going to get into Yes. Can you give us some juice in the workshop on what some of the things that you can't say here, please? <laughs> about yeah. uh, the things that you teased and not teased, uh, but said you couldn't talk to talk about. Okay. Are we, um, so tell me when we're in that part, that's your Patreon part, right? And then I can say things. No, 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 no. We're okay. talking, I'm talking about the workshop. We're, we're oh, on yes. girl. I'm talking about okay, the workshop. Cool. Are we, yeah. are you going to tell us what you can't tell us on this venue right now that you, about Mandela effects and some of the things that you observed. Yes, I'll be able to um, bring up how there's a tie-in with the Mandela effect and with Ascension. Okay. Um, I I thought you meant just what we're able to say on YouTube because that is very constricted as most people That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I mean. What we can't talk about on this venue, we can talk about in the workshop. Okay. I just want to make sure. So We're dancing around it here. This is a Okay. Yeah. What a shame, huh? Whatever. Okay. (laughs) Well, I think think it's just another indicator that we're in the Ascension, that there's so much going on that there is concern by, by some parties as to that level of sovereignty being, uh, it's like a shift of power, really. The, the power is going to the people. And so there's a concern. Like it or not. That's right. That's right. I'm happy to hear you say that. I'm happy to hear you say that. I know that's, that's been in your heart and soul and your work for so long. We just didn't realize we were going to get this much resistance, I don't think, no. uh, to, to the very thing that uh, that we're here to do. But so be it onward we march this is why we're doing this series and uh yeah it's time definitely oh my god any other mandela uh, here's here's another call out to the journey years mandela effect experiences now cindy and i have talked about we've we've done probably three or four shows pretty much dedicated to the mandela effect including different examples but as they're emerging i'm getting the sense that they are more of them and even subjective Mandela effects. Can you please leave us a comment below as to if you're having them, what are they? I'll tell you to this day of all the Mandela, some of the more well-known Mandela effects that we've uh, talked about, the one about the the scripture in the Bible that uh, talks about the lion and the lamb, which is not what it is, still floors me. It's yeah, still amazing that, Yeah, because I mean, where would you have heard this from if it wasn't in the Bible? Doesn't it make you wonder? That's what it makes me wonder. Yes. Like, where did this come from? If, like, how could we have all made that up? <laughs> yeah, the lion lays down with the lamb. And the there, there are stained glass windows and artworks that show that. So people remember it. Well, I think we talked about another example that we'll see in pop culture that affirms what we think we recall. They recall, and that has to do with mirror, mirror, not mirror, mirror on the wall. There was a commercial, I don't know, an ad about two years ago that was a play on that, you know, she's looking in the mirror, 
mirror, mirror on the wall. Uh, oh, what I can't even remember. Who's the, the fairest of them all? Yeah. But she didn't say that. Yeah. Selfie or something. She 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 went into it was a parody, but she used mirror, mirror on the wall, not magic mirror on the wall. So clearly, the ad agency that did this commercial remembered it that way as well. To me, that's one of the most profound examples of this is not about false memory. This is about a consensus that we heard something or read something or saw something in a very specific way. And there is a consensus it was that way. And then down the line, we find out it was never that way. There's something really serious going on here. Let's stop being in denial about it. I know you guys aren't, but this false (laughs) memory crap, leave that alone. That's, That's just ridiculous. This is much deeper than that. I think that's it's easy for people who want to stick with the materialist uh, idea of reality, which is a subset of the bigger quantum reality. And it gets back to what we said about who's in charge is the when we let the left rational brain be in charge, um, that's a mistake because it matches the material, realistic, classical logic um, viewpoint, which is a subset of the greater um, intuitive natural quantum logic state of being. And I think that that's what many of these Mandela effects are actually indicating. You know, when it goes from what we remember mirror, mirror to magic mirror, that change is upsetting because we're used to, we like mirror, mirror, the alliteration of it. But when you see it then, now it's magic mirror. It's just reminding us, maybe when you look in the mirror, what do you see? You are magic, both you and me. And so it's an invitation. Let's go there. Did you rhyme? Did you just mean to rhyme? Do you know what you just said? I Yeah, this is what I meant. How did I get through a year and a half of long COVID brain fog? Channeling, you know, I am able to talk through as my high self. That was <laughs> that's, beautiful. That's that's what you I, just that's what, yeah, when I do messages for clients, it often comes through like it's just it's like the language of angels sometimes. And that's possible when you harness that, when you access that level of high self. We're seeing the magic unfold in this conversation. I think I do from the planes overhead and that, and the way we interpret all that you you guys missed, but like I said, before we went on the air, there had to be four five, six jets that went it was right so by. loud. I could hear it. It was it not was, just, yeah, it was like yeah. shaking your house probably. Absolutely. But rather than just be annoyed by it, you read a message, you took a message from it, you extracted a message from it. The very thing that we would be talking about, among other things, is having our wings and a- are able to fly, and we'll be doing it loudly, just like those yes. planes overhead. Wow! It does attract attention when you start shifting reality, and I, I can talk about yeah. There's some more things I can talk about in the class. That you're right. There are a lot of things I just really can't say on YouTube, but I can say them in the workshop, and I will. Yes, ma'am, and- you can. And I can well, touch I th- on some of the Patreon too for you. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for that segue. You know where we're going. We're going to the after show. That'll be a little bit. We'll go a little bit more. Let's talk. You want to talk more about Mandela effects? You want to go into it a little sure. bit more? Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. Before we do, go ahead. You, I could tell you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Oh, it's, I can hold it, but it's it's just exciting. Yeah. It, some some of us are noticing when you look at the Mona Lisa. And Christopher Anatra, the quantum businessman, part of IMEC, he likes, to, he's got a picture of the Mona Lisa, that famous artwork on his wall. So he can, it's a, it's not the original, it's a, a replica, but he can see that she, it looks like she's smiling just a little bit more. And when you see that, then you feel the sense of excitement that things are going in the right direction, despite how it looks. And that is really important for all of us to keep reminding each other 
to, to keep asking how good can it get, to keep looking for that opportunity. And this is what we can start seeing in the Mandela effects. We can start recognizing that this, it's like the larger, higher consciousness wants to play with us in a good way and wants to encourage us to be courageous, to not be uh, gripping the railings of the ice skating rink like some of us do when we first learn to ice skate. Like, That's a great I'm going to fall. Yeah, just yeah. let go. You have to try. You're going to be okay. Okay, you might fall down a few times, but it's going to be okay. And, you know, I love we're definitely, yeah, we're there. Let's let go. Let go. Let God. That's that's part of so many. Yes. There's so many uh, phrases and and expressions that I think reflect the things that we've been saying for years that are more applicable now than ever before. Let's start saying them, reciting them, feeling them. Another sort of um, musing that I had today. I've been very contemplative today about thinking versus feeling. Thinking about what's going on versus feeling into what's going on. Again, we're trying, left brain is trying to hold on for dear life, hold on for dear life. And I, like many, are super analytical. I consider myself pretty pragmatic, but idealistic as well. But that pragmatic or thinking side of me wants to try to work out what's going on as it relates to ascension and how it's happening. And then I got a download that said, Alexis, let go of that. You're not going to work it out. You're going to feel it out. Yes. I've got, I've got another Mandela effect for you. Um, you. It's a pop quiz for everyone. So I'll ask you and you can show me. You remember the famous sculpture by Rodin, the sculptor, right? Um, the thinker is the one I'm talking about. And he's got his fist and he puts it up in some location on his head. Do you remember where the thinker rests the knuckles on his, on his fist? So he's got a fist. And he's kind of resting the knuckles somewhere on his head. Do you remember where? What feels right to you? So what I would say is, journeyers, pause the video because she's going to let us know. So pause the video right now. (laughs) Okay, let us know. You let us know, Cynthia. Okay. Well, I want you to show me what you remember. Do you remember? Do you know know this one? No, I'm not familiar with this. Then just go with what if, you know, he's kind of leaning forward. He's sitting on on something like a log or a stump. And he's yeah, resting his head on his, where is he resting his head? What sort of. On his chin. Okay. Am I thinking of the right, am I, see, this is, yeah. you're asking the wrong person. On the chin. That's okay. That's okay. Well, now it's almost like he's almost kind of chewing on his knuckles. So <laughs> well, this one has moved around a lot, a lot. So if people are saying like, wait, I remember the forehead. That's okay. A lot of people remember the forehead. Um, most really people cool remember the forehead. Is- a lot of people do to the point that there was a group of school children that had gone to see a Rodin sculpture and in the, they're doing a selfie with the, with the sculpture right behind them. So you'd think they would be doing a proper job of, of what's happening, right? You'd expect that they look at it like, okay, I'm going to do that pose. They're all in the pose with their, their fist to their forehead. Whereas the sculpture is kind of doing that thing where it almost looks, he's not quite chewing on his knuckles, but kind of, and um, very different. And so it's it's extraordinary. Why would a dozen or a couple dozen students be doing this pose when the sculpture is here? Like, how did that ha- just happen? Right. Right there. And it, that is what a lot of people remember. Uh, Shane Robinson of Unbiased and on the Fence channel. He, um, he's got some art that shows that because he remembers it so clearly. And he gave a talk at our first conference in Idaho uh, where he brought this up as a big huge shift for himself as well as the lion and the lamb because 
his mother was a Stunning. minister. So he knew all of those passages in the Bible, you know. Did he oh, ask intimately. his mother what she, well, see, this is the, I'm so glad you brought this up. Have clergy, ministers, priests been questioned about it? And they will answer lion and the lamb versus uh, wolf and the lamb. Because yes. I, I think, okay. Well, Shane's, in Shane's case, I think his mother passed away when he, before he got a chance to okay. experience the Mandela effect, talk to her and everything. But uh, for a lot of ministers and very spiritual people, this is a big shock to them. And they, they often take it very differently. Uh, often the reaction is, um, I know my Bible, I know what it says. And then they will recite, it was the lion and the lamb. And then, and then it, it can take a lot, but it's encouraged to ask them, go ahead and open it, go to that section and check it out right now, see what it says. And there I are do. several of these with the, you know, the King James version of the Bible and so forth, where people, they thought they had it memorized front to back and, there are some differences, and it's kind of astonishing. Stunning. Um, but people take it differently. So some some people who are ministers and very religious and spiritual take it with a grain of salt, like, well, this is kind of weird. And, you know, and then they, they're acknowledging, okay, there's something to this Mandela effect. Uh-huh. Some see it as a conspiracy. It's upsetting because we're... We're humans. We want something like the Bible to be unchanging. Right. Uh, but what if we recognize that the intent is unchanging? And maybe the fact that even the Bible can change is showing us don't get fixated on what you think you see. In other words, take the word of God even more to heart than even you might think you're getting from the Bible. Take it to a whole new level. Really, truly ascend and recognize the message is the main thing. And that feeling, that love, and the message of Jesus Christ is so much greater than any thing that words could ever, I, I, I know some people say, no, the words are it and the Bible is it, but clearly there are changes happening. So I'm just going with that saying like, okay, changes are happening, but I still believe in God. I know the word of Jesus Christ is still valid and uplifting and it's sacred. So to me, even though it looks like things are changing, this is a really big test of faith, right? When your Bible changes. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's heavy. At some point, we're going to have to relent to the fact that reality is far more malleable and plastic than we've ever given credit for. Now it's in our face. So with that, I'm going to say, let's continue to explore. Let's continue to explore in our community. Let's join Cynthia for this wonderful workshop, which is called What Ascension Is and Isn't, How to Recognize and Grow With It So We Can Thrive. You gave us a good taste today, Cindy. I so appreciate you. How good can it get? See, I had to say it. I know you're supposed to say it, but I'm going to say it. You know that's Cynthia's signature. How good can it get? I'm going to answer that infinitely good. And thanks to Cynthia, we've got, we have, uh, we can do this together. So God bless you. I love you so much. I love you too. And thanks to all the, all of your journeyers. Thank you. Love you all too. Love you, journeyers. Listen, we're going to go over to the Patreon after show. We're going to talk more Mandela effects. We still got to keep it a little PG rated. We'll make it PG over there. So <laughs> come join us. And we hope to see you certainly uh, Saturday, November 20th. That will be just a few days from now when this airs. And uh, until then, continue to explore. I love you so much. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.